Hello everyone and welcome to Behind the Ball. I'm back, a show dedicated to talking all about the beautiful game of football. As I'm sure you would have seen in the news and across social media, the PFA Team of the Year was announced last week. And this of course is a vote made by all the players in the Premier League. And for a little bit of fun, I'm going to give you my alternative team. Basically players who I think may have gone a little under the radar for their clubs. You know, I just want to give them an honourable mention uh, for their performances. Um, As a pre-warning, there might be a few players who you think, you know, what are you talking about? That is absolute nonsense. And (laughs) if that is the case, you know, feel free to get in contact via the official Behind the Ball Twitter page. And you can find it by searching at behind underscore the underscore ball. Right, let's get this started. Roll those titles. Welcome to Behind the Ball, the podcast discussing the beautiful game. Well, hello and welcome to this PFA edition of Behind the Ball. Uh, First off, I guess I should tell you the PFA Team of the Year that was announced last week, um, if for some reason you may not have heard it. Um, It was a 4-4-3 formation and essentially dominated by Manchester City and Liverpool players, which of course you can understand because, let's be honest, they've had incredible seasons, both teams. Um, The one exception in the 11 chosen was Paul Pogba. That has definitely divided opinion, even amongst Manchester United supporters, I think. Personally, I don't agree with his inclusion. Uh, But remember that the votes for the PFA Team of the Year and awards are all taken place in March. And this would have been around the time where Paul Pogba was really turning it on for Manchester United um, when Solskjaer got the job at the end of uh, December. You know, over that time period, he would have been incredibly difficult to play against, scored a bunch of goals, lots of assists, um, kind of disappeared since. But in order to get in a PFA team of the year for me, you have to perform, you know, for the 10 months of the season, not just three months uh, very, very well. Um, So for me, he wouldn't be in the team. As I've said before, though, you know, you can't really disagree with the rest of the team. You know, you you look at the, for example, you start with the goalkeeper, Edison, you know, not only a fantastic goalkeeper, 19 clean sheets, you know, but a wonderful footballer as well. You know, many, many of Manchester City's attacks, you know, come from his first pass that, you know, that often breaks the press of opposing teams. Uh, You look at the back four, you know, Robertson, Laporte, Van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold, you know, that is pretty much a no-brainer. You know, Robertson with 11 assists, um, that's quite incredible, really. Uh, he only needs one more to be the first defender ever to reach 12 in one season. You know, you look at Alexander-Arnold, has nine assists, uh, been a mainstay in that Liverpool back four. Uh, you look at Laporte as well. Um, he really is the one central defender that is trusted by Pep Guardiola. You look at the likes of Company, Stones, Otamendi, you know, they're all kind of having to take a rotational role in the team. And as for Virgil van Dijk, well, he has just been majestic and deservedly also won PFA Player of the Year. You know, only the second defender to do so after John Terry. Uh, In midfield, you have the metronome that is Fernandinho and a player that I have loved watching uh, ever since he came to the Premier League, uh, but especially this season. Uh, the way he breaks up play, the way he plays it so simple. He's always passing it to, you know, the likes of the Bernardo Silvers and the David Silvers and the Kevin De Bruyne's and uh, the Gundogans. You know, he is a mainstay in that team and he really 
he is the metronome. Like I said, he, he keeps them ticking over and he's a wonderful, wonderful player. Alongside him, you have uh, Bernardo Silva, who I just mentioned. Um, and the biggest praise I think you can give Bernardo Silva is the fact that the loss of De Bruyne this season uh, hasn't been as obvious. And that is testament to his performances, his ability to link play and uh, to give key passes. Um, he has been uh, an excellent player, actually. Um, in only his second full season as well, he's done very, very well and deserved uh, his place in the PFA Team of the Year. Uh, up front as well, again, you can't really argue with it. You have Sergio Aguero, Raheem Sterling and Sadio Mane. Again, all three brilliant seasons. Uh, they've scored 57 Premier League goals between them. Uh, of course, both, uh, all three sorry, have uh, two games still left to play, so that will probably break the 60 mark, uh, which is an incredible return for, um, let's be honest, two players out of the three which are considered wingers and not centre-forwards. Um, and as I say, it's it's difficult to disagree, you know, with 99.9% of the team. But, you know, I just thought it would be a good fun to give mention to a few players who I think deserved a spot as well. Plus, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Uh, well, for me, anyway. Uh, right, should we begin with the goalkeeper? Should we get this started? Okay, well, as a goalkeeper, I was split on a few some of you may think, what the hell are you talking about? But I was close, actually, to including Neil Etheridge. You know, he has seven clean sheets in his first season in the Premier League. Uh, he saved more penalties this season than any other Premier League goalkeeper. Spent the majority of his career in the lower leagues. Uh, so I thought he deserved a mention. I think he's been excellent. But I am going to go for probably the more obvious choice and one that many, I'm sure... Uh, pundits, fans alike, would have liked in the PFA Team of the Year. I'm going to go for Alisson at Liverpool. Uh, has the most clean sheets with 20. And again, just like Edison, uh, is a good footballer. Um, often plays that first pass into midfield to open up the play for his team. So I would go for Alisson. Uh, okay, now at right back, I was torn because again, there, are an, <laughs> there have been a number of impressive performers this season. Uh, I think you have to mention Ricardo Pereira at Leicester has done very, very well. Of course, Wan-Bissaka deserves a mention. But I went for Matt Doherty at Wolves. Uh, the reason being really that people forget this, but he was part of a Wolves team that was relegated in 2011. He's been there for a long, long time. And, you know, after all of the investment, you know, and the expensive players who have come in from Europe, you know, the likes of Jimenez and Neves and Johnny and Yota, you know, just to name a few. He's been a mainstay, a, a player that knows the club inside out, experienced relegation, gone through bad times, even played in League One as well. And to be the first choice uh, right wing back, because, of course, Wolves play with three centre backs, I think is very, very impressive. Uh, he also has good numbers. You know, he scored four goals. He's assisted four. For fantasy Premier League players, he's been a mainstay. I know um, any of you listening to this that are part of the league that um, I run, a lot of you have Doherty in your team because he just has been simply that good this season. And uh, for me, he deserves uh, a place in uh, the behind-the-ball PFA team of the year. Uh, okay, so my two centre-backs alongside him. Uh, the first one I've gone for, actually, Doherty's Wolves teammate, Connor Cody. And again, this is probably a, a choice that many of you might think, OK, that's a bit left field. That's kind of come out of nowhere. But again, having watched a lot of Wolves games uh, this season, 
Uh, I feel he's done very well. Again, a player that's played predominantly in the lower leagues. Started his career at Liverpool, but had a period of time at Sheffield United and obviously moved on to Wolves. For me, has come close to an England call-up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one forthcoming if his uh, trajectory of performances continue into next season. And again, not your typical no-nonsense English centre-half of the past. You know, very cultured, plays the ball very well, which I, you know, I assume you would have to do anyway in a in Nuno's team because he likes to play that continental style. Yeah, for me, it's just a, a very decent player. One of those that kind of goes under the radar, but um, is appreciated by uh, his teammates very, very much. And alongside him, I've gone for a Watford player. And I think many of you may be surprised by this, but I've gone for Craig Cathcart. And, you know, part of a team which has consistently been inside the top 10 all season, uh, probably Watford's best year consistency-wise. Uh, they've also reached an FA Cup final, which will take place um, at the end of May against Manchester City. Uh, he's been a mainstay in the team. Uh, he has also scored three Premier League goals this season. You know, that's his best return as a professional and again, much like Connor Cody, kind of an unsung hero. Uh, not many fans or pundits will probably pick up on his performances because he's he's never spectacular, but always solid, always there, always reliable. From what I can tell in interviews, uh, it's going to be a leader in the dressing room, just like Connor Cody. Uh, and a player I really like to watch, really appreciate. And so he gets into my uh, team of the year. And to complete my back four... At left back, I have gone for Everton's Luca Dean. Or is it Digne? Not sure on the pronunciation, but I know he's a good player. Came with a decent reputation, actually, uh, having signed from Barcelona in the summer. And you've got to say, actually, he was pretty much under immediate pressure because he would be replacing a Premier League seasoned pro and an Everton favourite, let's not forget, in Leighton Baines, who has been a mainstay at Everton for as long as I can remember. Uh, even into the David Moyes days. But Dean has been magnificent all season. You know, comfortable on the ball, dangerous from set pieces. Uh, very much like Andrew Robertson, actually, at Liverpool, provides really good width down the left-hand side and has, uh, you know, decent numbers as well. You know, assisted uh, four times and scored four goals. So, for me, Luca Dean would get in the team because he's he's performed very, very well. And apart from Andrew Robertson, I can't think of a left back that stood out as much as him this season. Moving into midfield then, uh, my midfield three, I have gone for Declan Rice, Jean Moutinho and David Brooks. My reasons are for young Declan Rice, you know, it's been a real breakthrough season, uh, predominantly a centre back in his younger playing days. But this season has been played by Pellegrini as the anchor in West Ham's midfield. And, you know, let's be honest, it's, it's done excellently. Probably West Ham's most consistent and best player all season. He, you know, there's no surprise really that he's been linked with Manchester City. They consider him potentially to be the long-term replacement for Fernandinho. Uh, Manchester United as well have been linked with him as the Solskjaer overhaul begins. For me, a big future ahead of him for club and country. It's not been easy for him either personally this season, you know. Deciding to switch his allegiance from the Republic of Ireland to England, that couldn't have been easy for a man just 19 years of age. It's very difficult. But he has come through that unscathed, uh, performed very, very well for England in uh, the qualifiers, uh, played his first game 
in the uh, qualifier against Montenegro in a very hostile environment. We all know of the racist abuse that, that took place in that game. So not an easy place to go and play and played very, very well and was um, an integral member of, of, of that team that that turned uh, a 1-0 deficit around to, to go and win comfortably. So for me, Declan Rice is a, is a very talented, very exciting young player and has had a great season. So uh, deserves his place in the the behind the ball PFA team of the year. Uh, alongside him, I've gone for a bit of a golden oldie, really, Jao Moutinho, because when you think about it, to come to the Premier League at the age of 31, almost 32, is not easy, uh, especially playing in the middle of the park. We know about the intensity, uh, the speed of the Premier League. You know, it would have been nothing like he's experienced uh, before. He, you know, he moved from Monaco. He's been playing in France for the last four or five seasons. Uh, before that, he was in Portugal with Sporting Lisbon. Uh, a lot more technical play, uh, nowhere near the intensity of the Premier League. But he's come into it, and whether he's been protected a little bit by you know the legs of. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White and especially Ruben Neves either side of him that may be the case but he's done excellently and he's done very very well uh, there's a reason you know why pundits have said uh, Jean Moutinho and Ruben Neves are probably the best centre midfield partnership outside of the top six I personally wouldn't disagree with that Ruben Neves by the way also deserves a mention because he's been uh, very very good this season uh, just his general play has been excellent. He probably needs to score and assist more, and that's probably the reason why I haven't put him in the team. Uh, but for Jean Moutinho, yeah, absolutely excellent. Scored one goal, so his goal return isn't great either, Jean Moutinho, but he has uh, eight assists, which is very good, I think, for a deep-lying central midfield player. Yeah, for me, he has been excellent all season and, again, deserves his place. On the left side of a three, I've gone for David Brooks and he gets in because at the age of 21 and in his first season in the Premier League to return seven goals and five assists is good numbers uh, to coin a phrase he has taken to the PL like a duck to water really uh, and I do think actually the free flowing style of Eddie Howe's Bournemouth has helped him you know he He's probably not the best defensively, but once he gets on the ball, he wants to look forward. He wants to play. He likes to play those one-twos, and the style of play has definitely helped him, for sure. And again, I'll be honest, he's one of the players in this team that I wouldn't be surprised would be in a top-six side uh, over the next couple of seasons, for me personally. I think he's a very, very exciting young player, and I think the likes of you know Tottenham, who probably don't have the biggest budget, but are looking for those kind of young potential superstars. I think David Brooks falls into that category and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up uh, somewhere like that. And now for the exciting bit. The the, the players that are going to get you the goals, the, they're going to give you the exciting link-up play. Um, yeah, my front three. I have gone, first of all, of course, and I don't know why he wasn't in the main team, to be honest. I've gone for Eden Hazard uh, because... Once again, his numbers are absolutely magnificent and his effect on this Chelsea team is huge. They're just nowhere near as good a team without him. Actually, it's interesting because I look back on his statistics over his seven seasons in the Premier League, including the ones where Chelsea have pretty much walked the league. He has never had more assists, currently at 13. Uh, he obviously has two games to go, so can um, add to that tally as well. They do have favourable fixtures as well, do Chelsea. 
if he also scores one more goal in Chelsea's two remaining games, this will be his best goal return as well. So to leave Eden Hazard out of the team is a kind of a strange one. Like I said at the top, you can't really disagree with who's in there because they've all had magnificent individual seasons. On talent, he would be in the side. But I think the fact that players potentially lesser ability have exceeded their talents, that's probably the reason why Eden Hazard doesn't get in. But yeah, I mean, a simply world-class footballer. A pleasure to watch. I've seen him play live, unfortunately, against my team, Nottingham Forest. So that was a bit of a... It was interesting. Let's put it that way. It was interesting. Couldn't get near him. But uh, yeah, simply world-class. And if it is to happen that he will leave at the end of the season, doesn't look like he's going to sign a new contract, it will be a huge loss to the Premier League to not see him every weekend and... He's yeah, just a, a brilliant, brilliant player to watch. And the second player in my attacking trio is another Bournemouth player, and I had to include him. Uh, his name is Ryan Fraser. Uh, and again, numbers alone, he gets into the team, uh, registered 13 assists so far, uh, equaling, uh, as I already mentioned, the magnificent Eden Hazard. He also has seven goals to, to his name, the best return of his seasons in the Premier League with Bournemouth. And... I must admit, I mean, I love watching Bournemouth play. I've already spoken about it briefly when we talked about David Brooks, about the style of play that Bournemouth implement. And again, actually, I've seen Bournemouth live. Went down there to watch my team, Nottingham Forest, and we were battered by them. They just played around us like we weren't even there. They were really, really exciting, uh, vibrant team to watch. Easy on the eye, very good. And again, it, it helps the likes of Ryan Fraser, who predominantly just wants to look forward and assist and score. But that return is is really excellent for a Bournemouth. And again, his link-up play with Callum Wilson has been superb all season to watch. They've got a real good connection, those two. A player who I think Bournemouth may struggle to keep hold of. I don't think he'd potentially be a top six uh, target because I don't think necessarily he's young enough or has been consistent enough uh, in his previous seasons to warrant a move like that. But I think the likes of Everton, um, Newcastle, who may have new investment over the summer, depending on new owners, could be a couple of teams who might show uh, some interest in this player. And leading the line, I don't think it will be necessarily a surprise to any of you, but I have actually gone for Raul Jimenez. And again, you have to be impressed. First season in the Premier League on loan from Benfica. Again, I've mentioned this many, many times already uh, with all of these players that I've included, but his numbers are excellent. He showed up in the big games, scored in the FA Cup quarterfinal victory, scored the winner against Manchester United, scored again in the FA Cup semi-final, and Wolves were really unlucky to lose that game. So he showed up there, uh, scored 13, assisted 7 in his first season. The, the move was made permanent in January, signed for £30 million, which actually... For a 27-year-old, isn't too bad. Uh, he's kind of a ready-made player, proved it this season, and I expect him to be a mainstay uh, for Wolves for the next couple of seasons. And I think uh, next year, I'm expecting big things. He might be one to get in your fantasy Premier League teams next season. I think he'll uh, he'll score even more next year. And so there you have it. That is my PFA team of the year, my alternative team of the year. Uh, many of you may disagree, I'm sure. Uh, there'll be a few in there where you'll think, mm, I'm not too sure about that one. Cathcart probably is at the top of that list, Connor Cody also. But I just have to consider the fact that not every player is going to be standout and magnificent. You have to include players that 
just solid, great professionals who have really good seasons. And those two for me have just been excellent. So uh, to copy also the main PFA team of the year, I tried to make it easier by also going for the 4-3-3 formation. And, uh, and yeah, so I'll go over it one more time just so you know. Uh, you don't forget, I went for Allison in goal, Doherty, Cody, Cathcart, and Dean, yay, Dean. Still don't know how to pronounce that one, but whatever. We know he's a good player. In midfield, I've gone for Rice, Moutinho, and Brooks. And up front, I've gone for Hazard, the simply unbelievable player, uh, Raul Jimenez, and Ryan Fraser. So yeah, that's my team of the year. If you do disagree, which I'm sure many of you will, I'm sure everyone has their own opinions, their own thoughts. Uh, we all have our favorite players, people we like to watch, people we don't like to watch. And so if you disagree and you want to get involved and you want to tell me, I'm more than happy to have a little debate with you. Um, you can get involved, as I mentioned before, on the official Twitter page. That can be found at behind underscore the underscore ball. That is it for this week. Uh, thank you for listening and you'll be hearing me next time on Behind the Ball.